stay at home and protect lives. That's the clear warning from the health secretary, Matt Hancock, who says it's not a request, but an instruction. I folks, quick update for me on the campaign against coronavirus. I want every American to be prepared for the hard days that lie ahead. Finding faster ways to test people who may have the virus. The government has insisted that further coronavirus restrictions will be targeted at local levels, with no plans for a national blanket approach. Hello and welcome to Corona Chronicles, SNS Online's spin-off show that continues to touch base with a wide variety of people from all walks of life to talk about how the current situation is impacting them both professionally and personally, as well as offering a cup full of cheer, some top tips, up-to-date stats, and most importantly, to touch virtual base with a cheery hello. And without the need for hand sanitizer, I'm Nick Randall. The charity which runs the National Domestic Abuse Helpline has dealt with a massive spike in visits to its website since lockdown began. Over 40,000 calls were logged by refuge during the first three months. Globally, the UN describes the worldwide increase in domestic abuse as a shadow pandemic alongside COVID-19. Indeed, during the first three weeks of lockdown in the UK, 16 women and children died at the hands of men, the highest in 11 years. Well, with me on the line is Lisa King, Refuges Director of Communications and External Relations. Welcome to the programme, Lisa. Just to start, and for those who might not be familiar with your charity, why was Refuge set up and what were your initial aims? Well, next year, Refuge will be 50. So we began in 1971 and we opened the world's first refuge, which women and children flocked to. And we quickly identified the huge issue that existed in the country that had been very silent and hidden up till that point. And really, since then, Refuge has grown to open new services to meet the needs of women and children and is now the largest specialist provider of domestic abuse services across the country. So what sort of services do you offer? So we run a whole host of different services. We run generic and culturally specific services that are refuges, uh, places of safety for women who are escaping um, and hiding from their violent perpetrator. Um, We run outreach services in the community for women to access, women who may still be living with their perpetrator or don't need to access refuge accommodation but need the emotional and practical support. We have child support workers across some of our services, um, a team of national domestic abuse advocates who support women no matter what their experience of violence. And of course, the National Domestic Abuse Helpline that Refuge runs and that provides further support of around 270 contacts and calls a day pre-COVID times. But right now that number is up to, you know, an increase of around 70% on pre-COVID times. So a very busy service and a great deal of demand during um, the COVID pandemic. Um, Do any of the calls differ at all from before the time of COVID? I mean, is it just a matter of a greater sense of urgency in more of the calls now? We're certainly beginning to see changes in the calls and the call types now lockdown is lifting a bit. The majority of calls from survivors that came through to us while lockdown was quite intensive in in our country were from women wanting to remain safe and understanding how to mitigate um, experiencing violence and and to, to keep safe during that period and also needing a lot of practical and emotional support. But we are increasingly seeing more women now reaching out and wanting to access services across the country. So we're providing that support on a 24-hour basis. Um, Our helpline operates every hour of every day. And how difficult would you say it is to leave a spouse during lockdown? 
it's incredibly difficult to to leave a spouse or a current or for you know a, a current partner um you know even you know pre lockdown it takes on average seven times before a woman finally leaves it's very much a process it's a very complex um issue to experience but of course during lockdown when women have been you know forced to stay at home they have been by nature of what lockdown means been isolated from friends and family members unable to access support services it is even harder than ever for women to access support um and it's you know been a very concerning time for abused women up and down the country indeed police figures suggest a wide regional variation in calls about abuse i just wondered if you could enlighten us on, on any particular reasons for that no i think that's a difficult question to answer in okay. relation to the police and why some forces have seen an uplift and maybe others haven't what we do know about domestic abuse is that very few women indeed reach out and, exp- and, and access support from the police by far the large majority come to specialist um, kind of secret anonymized services such as our own so uh, yeah police data has yet to be kind of looked at in more detail to to understand where why there is that discrepancy what advice can you offer to people listening to this who uh, might be in an abusive relationship and obviously you know with the pandemic and all the extra pressures how do they physically get to uh, communicate with you and potentially to escape The most important message that Refuge would want to share to anyone um, concerned that they might be or are experiencing domestic abuse is to know that they are not alone, that the helpline that we run is there every hour of the day. And we also have other ways to make contact with us if you're unable to pick up the phone and you can't speak, especially during lockdown. Digital support services have been really important. We have a really uh, brilliant website that survivors can access where there is critical information on there that they can use and and refer to and that website is nationaldahelpline.org.uk and within that website we provide a a live chat service every Monday to Friday from 3 till 5pm when women can access digital support so if they just have a few moments they can reach out you know contact us and our team can give them information and options depending on the situation that they're experiencing at that moment. Sure. Um, without betraying any specific confidences, could you give us an idea of the type of conversations you're having on the phone? So we've had an opportunity during COVID to talk about domestic abuse in, in a more in-depth way, let's say, than ever before. Most people recognise domestic abuse as broken bones and black eyes, when actually domestic abuse is really any way in which one person controls another. So that control could manifest itself as financial control, sexual control, emotional and psychological or coercive control, all those different permeations are domestic abuse. And and put in its most simplest, if you are frightened of your partner and you change your behaviour because you are frightened, that is domestic abuse. So we've been able to have that conversation and explain domestic abuse more broadly. So we've had a lot of people reaching out, women, but also concerned friends and family members, wanting to understand the subject more and kind of beginning to have that kind of light bulb moment of understanding that that they are experiencing domestic abuse and might possibly be the first time that they are reaching out to access support. The domestic abuse bill is currently being sort of, uh, reworked at the moment and uh, uh, particularly the issue seems to be coming up about immigrants who have an insecure status and cannot access public funds or housing and support. Uh, I mean, how's that evolving in terms of the, uh, the legislation? Well, we still have yet to see a a commitment from the government to 
ensure that women who have no recourse to public funds are able to access welfare support. So we will continue to put pressure on the government to include an exemption for women within the bill. Um, we support another organisation who is driving this campaign, South All Black Sisters. So when the bill comes back for its third reading at the House of Lords in September, that will continue to be one of the five priority areas that Refuge will call upon the government to include in the bill before it becomes final legislation. And of course, there's a hundred charities in England that I think are sharing uh, 8.1 million government funding aiming at supporting victims. How much of that has Refuge got? And, and have you got it yet? So we have been given emergency funding to support the helpline and also to help us keep our refuges open. And that has been, you know, we've been grateful for that. We've also had funding from the public and from corporate organisations. The government funding must be spent and used by the 31st of October. So that is time bound. But that doesn't, you know, that isn't going to help us into the future to provide sustainable, secure funding for specialist frontline services and again we come back to the domestic abuse bill where we will be calling on the government to ensure a legal duty to provide funding for refuges um, to be enshrined within the domestic abuse bill so that sustainable funding is in place so what we've seen to date is a stopgap we're grateful for that but that isn't a a, a, a long-standing viable future solution we need to have that commitment from government to come still Absolutely. Can we, the public, help at all um, in terms of either donations or getting involved with campaigning or or notifying refuge about potential abuse that might be going on at your neighbour's house? Domestic abuse, absolutely. If you're concerned about some, that somebody may be experiencing domestic abuse, we have some really important information on the National Domestic Abuse Helpline website but also on refuge.org.uk, how to start that conversation, how to help women identify the options that might be available to them. Um, We would certainly never suggest that anybody intervenes personally. That could be very dangerous. So there are ways and and opportunities for for people to provide support. And when it comes to, to refuge specifically, if anybody felt that they might want to undertake any fundraising for us, that would be brilliant. But really, you know, there's a communications opportunity too. If you follow us on Twitter at, at Refuge Charity and share on the messages that we put out there, the important information that we want to reach women and children about the helpline, about our services, reminding them that they are not alone. We are incredibly grateful for that. So a simple retweet could potentially save a life. Lisa King, Director of Communications and External Relations for Refuge. Thank you so much for joining us today. Great stuff. Thank you, Nick. Lisa King there. And now it's time for the latest world news relating to the pandemic, dated the evening of Monday the 3rd of August, as we're recording. The Prime Minister has ordered officials to work up a plan for avoiding a second national lockdown, according to reports, which could see millions told to stay at home again. It was also reported London could be placed back under some form of local lockdown in a bid to prevent a rise in COVID-19 cases. The Health Secretary, Matt Hancock, said that he wouldn't flinch from making those difficult decisions. The Australian city of Melbourne is experiencing a resurgence of coronavirus, with shops, factories and non-essential businesses shutting their doors. There's also a nighttime curfew in place for the city's 5 million residents. An earlier lockdown failed to contain the spread of the virus. About 1 million workers will soon have to stay at home as part of the new rules. Australia is now at its worst point yet in this crisis due to the Melbourne outbreak. 
The company that took over Thomas Cook when it collapsed last year said it's now having to cut hundreds of jobs that it had saved because of the coronavirus pandemic. Hayes Travel aims to shed up to 20% of its 4,500 employees. NHS Grampian has said 120 people are now self-isolating after being linked to a cluster of coronavirus cases stemming from a pub in Aberdeen. 27 positive tests have now been traced back to the Hawthorne Bar in the city centre. Overweight people are being urged to lose £5 as part of the government's new crackdown on obesity to save the NHS money and help cut the risk of dying from COVID-19. Boris Johnson's obesity strategy will also signal an end to confectionery displays at checkouts with junk food adverts to be banned on TV before 9pm. It comes after new research that found that being overweight or obese puts people at a significantly greater risk of suffering severe coronavirus symptoms if they contract the disease. New 90-minute tests that can detect coronavirus and flu will be rolled out in hospitals and care homes from next week. The -the on-the-spot swab and DNA tests will help distinguish between COVID-19 and other seasonal illnesses, the government said. The health secretary said that this would be hugely beneficial over the winter. Currently, a further test takes longer than 24 hours to process. The announcement comes as the government pushed back a July target to regularly test all care home staff and residents, a key move to identify so-called silent spreaders, those who are infected but do not show symptoms. This is unlikely to be achieved until September because the number of testing kits has become more limited. Total confirmed cases of coronavirus in the UK currently stand at 305,623 with 46,210 deaths. Sewage testing is being introduced in England as a way of tracking the pandemic. Scientists know that people with COVID-19 shed the virus in their faeces. This means that by taking samples of wastewater, a coronavirus outbreak could be spotted up to a week earlier than it would if medical testing was being used. There are 44 wastewater treatment sites in England where the testing is being carried out. For the very first time in its 40-year history, the Great North Run is going virtual. Runners will be able to take part in the half marathon wherever they live in the world with the help of an app, playing crowd sounds and providing distance updates. A record 60,000 people were due to run the 13.1-mile, 21-kilometre course between Newcastle and South Shields on the 13th of September, but it was cancelled due to coronavirus. The virtual event is free and runners qualify for a medal if they complete the run, but they have to pay for this separately. Organisers have urged runners who can sign up from today to follow social distancing rules and not turn up at the usual course. And finally, today marks the start of the government's Eat Out to Help Out scheme, in which a 50% discount is given off the bill, up to £10 per person, on Mondays to Wednesdays during August. Well, I've booked my fish and chips and a nice pint of lager. And that's the news. Well, that's it for this edition. If you want to email us about anything at all, uh, the address is coronachronicleshow at gmail.com. Until next week, this is Nick Randall saying take care and look after yourselves. Goodbye. Goodbye.